0: Welcome to At the Crossroads Church weekly podcast. Our hope is that you will grow in your walk with God and be blessed and encouraged in your daily lives as you listen. You can visit us at our website at atthecrossroads.ca. Father, we thank you today that your word is going to speak to our hearts and change our lives. We ask, Lord, that we would be challenged and also affirmed in your love as we go through your scripture today. And all God's people said... Amen. Amen. So today I want to talk a little bit about the doctrine of baptisms, plural. Okay? Um, We're going to look at Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1 to 2 as our text, and uh, we're going to look at some foundational teaching here. How many know that sometimes. Um, Well, in in many cases, there's a biblical illiteracy in North America, and uh, many churches are uh, going on and teaching the Word, but they're not teaching a lot of the foundational doctrines. And I think it's important as a church and as a people that we have the foundation in place. And so Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1, the writer of Hebrews is saying, Therefore, leaving the discussions of the elementary principles of Christ... So Paul, Paul, I believe it was Paul, but the writer of Hebrews said that we have to leave the elementary uh, discussions. He wants us to mature. Um, that word elementary is the Greek word archaea. And the word archaea actually uh, means the beginning place or the ABCs of Christianity. So there's a, God wants us to move on from the beginning place from the foundation teaching of Christian teaching. He wants us to move on and to mature. The word perfection is uh, the Greek word teleotis. I'm probably saying it wrong, but it actually speaks of moral and spiritual perfection. So God wants us to leave the ABCs of doctrine and move into perfection or into maturity. And that's what God wants us to do, all right? A foundation is simply something that's laid down, that is built upon. Jesus gives us a parable in Matthew chapter 7. He says, there's a foolish man and a wise man. And the wise man built his house upon the rock, and when the storms of life came, when the storms came, that house was able to stand on the solid rock. But there was a foolish man who built his house on the sand. When the storms came, his house could not stand because there was nothing solid. Foundation is so important. If we don't have good foundation, things end up very crooked. Wouldn't you agree? And so uh, we bought, my wife and I bought our first house. Um, As we bought our first house, we realized quickly afterwards that we didn't know what we were doing. Um, But we bought a house that had a a faulty foundation. When they had built the house 40 years ago, they uh, were building it in the winter. We found out later that the actual mortar that they were using between the cinder block foundation had the wrong mixture. It didn't have a right hardener in it or uh, it was frozen. I don't know. But what happened, we moved in and we realized that the mortar between the bricks actually turned into sand and you could just pull it away. So what that ha- what happened was the, the, the cinder blocks began to settle. They began to sit in different places and the upper levels began to go crooked on us. And so you'd be walking down the hall and you'd be going up and then you'd be going down the hall, right? And it was all because the foundation wasn't properly built. How many know it's important that we have... A good, solid foundation of faith. Because everything we build upon afterwards will, it will crumble. It will be crooked. We have to have solid foundations. So important. And so our foundation today, what we're talking about is the scripture. So today I want to make sure that we have these six foundational blocks in place. And there are these are the foundational teaching. Number one is repentance from dead works. Can you say that? Repentance from dead works. The second one is faith towards God, doctrine of baptisms, laying on of hands, resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. So today I want to talk uh, the, the first three doctrines based on, on this. So what is a dead work? Okay, So we're, we're to, to repent, which means to turn away from dead works. Uh, and, and notice that Scripture doesn't say repent from bad works. It says repent from dead works. And there's a difference, okay? There's nothing you can do to earn God's favor. There's nothing you can do to earn eternal life. So you can't pray enough. You can't do enough spiritual rituals. You can't... I mean, the only way we can come into salvation is through the finished work of the cross, right? So you can't work yourself into salvation. It's a free gift of God. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, it says, "'For by grace you have been saved.'" Okay. Through faith. So there's a doorway called faith. We open that. We believe and trust in the grace of God to save us. Okay? Not of yourself. It's a gift of God. Not of works, lest any man shall boast. We can't boast about our own salvation because it was accomplished through the cross of Calvary. Amen? There's nothing you can do. So anything you try to do, you know, uh, religiously or, you know, you can walk a thousand old ladies across the street and that's a nice thing to do. But I'll tell you what, it's a dead work. Amen? Amen? Do you know what a dead work is? A dead work is like, I'll give you an example. Uh, if, if I was to paint cars for a living, and I see my friend has a rusty car that needs paint, and I said I'm going to do a favor. He's on vacation. I'm going to go paint the guy's car for him. So I go and I paint the car, and I put hours and hours into sanding and polishing and painting the car. And then he comes home, and I say, look what I did. It's a gift. And he would say, actually, the engine and the transmission are gone. I was bringing it to the wreckers. How many know... That a dead work has no reward to it. And so there's no reward. I would feel like, man, I wasted my time. And I think many people are going to pass into eternity and realize, I wasted my time because I didn't put my faith in Jesus. I was doing my own thing. All right? And so salvation is a gift that we receive through faith in the cross. Okay? And let's look at um, uh, once you're a believer. So now you, you've put your faith in Jesus. You've accepted the free gift of eternal life. How many know that as a Christian, you can have dead works in your life? You can have dead works. Remember, a dead work has no reward. So let's look at a couple here. A dead work would be working, work that is done without joy. Work that's done without joy. In other words, you're doing it, you know, the Bible says that you're not to give out of necessity or give grudgingly. But God loves a what kind of giver? A cheerful giver. God wants us to be motivated by joy. we got to love serving God. Okay, so any work done without joy is a dead work. Number two, uh, work done out of compulsion, I just have to do it. I just have to do it. If I don't do it, then, you know, nobody's going to do it. And and there's no heart connected to it. The third one is work done out of fear of judgment. There was a time in my life where I would go out and evangelize and share you know my faith with people, and everyone would say, man, he loves God. He cares about people. No, I was afraid of judgment. I was afraid if I don't tell somebody that they, about Jesus, God's going to judge me. It can be the fear of, of, of people judging us. You were doing stuff. We're doing works because we're afraid God will judge us. Or we're afraid that people will judge us. How many of know that's a dead work? There's no reward for that. The other thing is work done for personal recognition. You know, Jesus said, you know, don't be like the Pharisees. When you fast, when they fast, they go and tell everybody, hey, look, we're, I'm fasting. Hey, I'm spiritual. You know, I'm giving tithes. I'm spiritual. He says, when you do that, you actually, uh, you're receiving your reward because you're getting the applause of men. But when you do these things, go in your bedroom alone and just fast and seek God. And God who sees in private will, will reward you openly. Amen. And so, are you doing stuff for self-recognition? There's charities out there that they will give, and they're generous, and so we're going to give a lot of money. However, we want to be in the newspaper. We want our name to be in the newspaper. That's a dead work. Because now you're not giving from the heart. You're giving for recognition. Living works are those done out of love and faith. And these things will be rewarded. Amen? I love this scripture. We go into 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 13 to 15. It says, on Judgment Day. Now, this Judgment Day is not a judgment to condemnation. This is not the judgment seat for those who rejected the gospel. This is the judgment of the church, okay? And it's, it's going to give us our rewards based on what we've done. This is a judgment seat of Christ. So this, you're saved, you're going to heaven, you can relax, okay? But on the day of judgment, fire will reveal what kind of uh, work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. Next verse. If the work survives, the builder will receive a reward. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved, but like someone barely escaping through the walls of fire. So you have these backpacks of good works on. You're like, yeah, look what I did for God. I'm awesome. And we go through the fire, and you come out, you're like, where's, like, and God's going to say, everything you did was for the wrong reasons, it wasn't birthed out of love. So your reward in eternity will be less than for those who did it with a pure heart. Does that make sense? And, and this, is what, this is what Paul is trying to explain to us, okay? You want to have a good reward in the afterlife? Make sure that you're doing things birthed out of faith and birthed out of love. Amen? So this is basically the foundational doctrine of um, repentance from dead works and then putting your faith in God for the grace that empowers us, okay? Now, the second doctrine is the doctrine of baptisms, plural. And uh, I want to first talk about what that word baptism means. The word baptism comes from the Greek word baptismos, It means a washing or a purification affected by water. So there's a washing and a purification. That's what baptismos means. It, comes, it stems from the word baptizo, which is another Greek word, which means to immerse or to submerge, to make fully wet, okay? So that's what baptism means. And there's three things you need in order to be baptized. You need a baptizer, someone to do the work. There needs to be a medium in which you're baptized into. And number three, you need an individual who wants to be baptized, okay? And so, you know, baptismo is actually an interesting word. We went to the KOA campground and our kids two years in a row, they have this event where you take a white t-shirt, it's about seven to ten bucks. You buy this t-shirt. It's white, it's boring, it's fruit of the loom. Okay, and you take it, you wrap it up, twist it, put elastics on it. It's called tie-dye, yeah? You got it. And so 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 the counselors come out with these buckets of different colored dye, and the kids come in and they baptizo. They baptize the sheet in all the different colors, and then they dip it in water. And they take the elastic out, and guess what? That shirt has been metamorphosized. It has been transformed by the ink. That's what it means to be baptized, to be immersed in something and come out changed. And we've been baptized into the blood of Jesus, and somehow we come up whiter than snow. I don't know how that works. But we've been baptized into Christ. Isn't that good news? We've been immersed into Christ, and when we come out, we're changed from the inside out. That's the beautiful thing. About baptism. So there's three baptisms. They say three. According to the New Testament teaching. There's actually nine. But these are the three essential baptisms. uh, When we get into the doctrine. Actually I should say that again. One is essential for salvation. The other two are not essential. The first baptism is performed by the Holy Spirit. Without our involvement. And we can't see this happen with our eyes. It happens in the realm of the Spirit. It's mystical in a sense. Because we have we don't understand how it happens. But it says here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13, For by one Spirit... Who is the one Spirit? The Holy Spirit. By one Spirit we were all... If, if you're a Christian in this room, you all have been baptized into one body, the body of Jesus or the body of Christ, whether Jew or Greek, whether slave or free whether a Caucasian, a German, you know, uh, Filipino, wherever you come, it doesn't matter who you are. If you've accepted Christ, you've been baptized into one body and have all been made to drink into one spirit. So if you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit takes you... Supernaturally, and He immerses you into the body of Christ, into Jesus. It doesn't matter if you're Baptist, Catholic, Anglican, whatever denomination you come from. When you put your faith in Jesus, you're baptized into Christ. That's it. That's the first baptism. The proof that you have been baptized into Christ means you've put your faith in Jesus. You've called Him Lord. The Holy Spirit has come. And this is what happens. This is the evidence that you've been baptized into Christ. He gives us new birth. There's regeneration. Just like that white t-shirt went in, it comes out, it's different. When you have had faith in Christ, you come out different. I had a potty mouth. I used to swear... I, I just swore a lot. The friends I hung out with, when I accepted Christ, I remember swearing, and I was like, oh, where did that come from? I don't want to talk that way. I, I don't feel good about that anymore. I'm gonna change, I'm gonna turn, I'm gonna repent, I'm gonna turn away from that. How, how many can relate in some way where you tried to do something you used to do, and you're like, this is dirty, man? Like this is different. Why? Because Jesus has given you, the Holy Spirit has come and given you new birth. That's the first thing he does. Number two, He comes to live inside of us, and you become the motor home, and He starts traveling in you, and that's it. The Holy Spirit is with you. Number three, He places us into the body of Jesus as a member of Christ's body on the earth. And then, number four, He seals us as a possession of Christ until the redemption of our human bodies. Those are the four things that He does. So the first baptism... The Holy Spirit is the one who immerses us into the body of Christ. So if you've been saved, you've been immersed into the body of Christ by the Holy Spirit. Okay? Just like the shirts at the KOA campground, you've been immersed into Christ. You've, you're saved. You're going to heaven. You're going. Amen? Galatians chapter 3, verse 27 says this, For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Jesus as Christ. Isn't that awesome? You've put on Jesus Ephesians chapter 4, verse 4 and 5 says, there is two bodies. Is that what it says? No, there is one body. There's one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling. Next verse. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. And that's talking about one baptism into the one body. There's more baptisms, but that's the baptism into... Remember, to be fully immersed into Christ. And that's what's happened. And this is the essential baptism that takes place. Now, there's a second baptism. Say second. Okay? This, this is the second baptism. It's not essential for salvation, but it is an empowerment for ministry. And, in fact, many churches and denominations that are baptized in Christ and going to heaven have rejected the baptism. What we call as Charismatic Pentecostals, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. All right. Anyone who tells you that you have to speak in tongues or you have to be filled with the Holy Spirit, baptized with the Holy Spirit to get to heaven doesn't know their Bible because that's that's not essential, but it's an empowerment that God wants us to have. And it's actually when we say the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it's actually incorrect because it should be called the baptism by Jesus. Because Jesus, the Holy Spirit baptizes us, immerses us into the body of Christ then Jesus baptizes us with the Holy Spirit so we have power. Does that make sense? And Matthew 3, verse 1, okay, John said, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who comes after me is mightier than I. I'm not even worthy to tie his sandals. He will baptize you. He will fully immerse you in the Holy Spirit and fire. So Jesus baptizes us, he immerses us in the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the second baptism. We see in Acts chapter 1, verse 5, For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So Jesus baptizes Christ followers into the power of the Holy Spirit. If we desire that, He will do it. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, we see another passage here. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses of me in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. In Acts chapter 2, verse 4. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Acts chapter 8, verse 14 to 17. Now when the apostles who were in Jerusalem heard that Samaritans had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them who when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet, the Holy Spirit had not fallen on any of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So they were baptized, probably in this case, in water in the name of Jesus. So they have had the first two baptisms, but they were not baptized with the Holy Spirit until Paul came and laid hands on them. And then they were baptized by Jesus into the power of God. Isn't that interesting? And so, the laying on of hands is also one of the foundational teachings that comes in next in line, is that there's a laying on of hands, which there's, we're to lay hands on the sick, we're to cast out devils, we're to uh, lay hands on people to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So there's a whole doctrine on the laying on of hands. Okay, But this whole baptism in the Holy Spirit, is not essential to salvation. It's not mandatory, but it's available. Amen? It's available for those who say, I want the power of God. In fact, Jesus said to His disciples, do not leave, do not go anywhere, but tarry here and pray until you be filled with the power of God. And so that is not essential, not mandatory, but it's a good thing. In Acts chapter 9, verse 17 to 18... Here's Paul's testimony. And Ananias went his way and entered the house. And laying hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road, as you came, he has sent me that you might receive your sight and to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales. He received his sight at once, and he arose, and he was baptized. So you see there's the two baptisms there. The water baptism and the baptism of the Holy Spirit are separate. In Acts chapter 10, verse 44 to 45, when Peter was still speaking the words, the Holy Spirit fell on all those who heard the word and those of the circumcision who believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles as well. Acts 19, 5 to 6, when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke with tongues. And they prophesied. So as many as heard were baptized in the name of the Lord, so the Holy Spirit came, dipped them in Christ, they got water baptized, and then Paul laid hands on them and they got filled with the Holy Spirit. Three separate, distinct baptisms in one verse. And when they got the baptism of the Holy Spirit, they spoke in tongues and they prophesied. And so I love this because really the book of Acts is not just a history book. It's literally a pattern for people Christianity, and we see this pattern throughout. I could go and be here all day, Scripture after Scripture, where they were given their faith to Jesus, being water-baptized, and being filled with the Holy Spirit. Three baptisms, the writer of Hebrews says, there's foundational doctrines of baptisms, plural. Amen? And so, let's, let's move on here. So, people who were baptized into Jesus, then they were baptized by Jesus into power, and then they were baptized in water. So Jesus is the, the the one who baptizes us into the medium, which is the Holy Spirit's power. But water baptism, it's us believers that have to baptize others into water. And that's we become the ones that baptize people. And you don't have to be a pastor. You can just you can be a Christian. And if a friend of yours says I believe in Jesus, and they say a prayer and say Be the Lord of my life you can say, hey, there's a bathtub here. Let's baptize you. You can do it. Because as believers, we're to baptize those who come into the faith. Jesus says we're to go into all the world baptizing people in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, right? It's not essential for salvation, but it's essential for discipleship. It really is. And in fact, I like to say... I it's hard to say it's not essential for salvation because it is and it isn't, right? Like if you, if you the, the thief on the cross, right, he, he, he cried out to the Lord. Something happened in his heart. and He said, Lord, he said, you know, remember me when you're in paradise. And Jesus said, today you'll be with me. You've called me Lord. He probably was repenting to Jesus on the cross. Scripture doesn't show us. But he accepted the Lord. And he said, today you'll be with me in paradise. There was no way he was getting off the cross to get water baptized, Right? I prayed for people in the hospital, and I know they got saved, and they never had a chance to be water baptized. And I know, I feel, you know, they're with the Lord today. How many know you can go to a church that doesn't teach about the importance of water baptism, and you're still going to heaven because you've called Him Lord. He's your Savior. But why in the world, when you know the Scripture clearly says, Jesus says you need to be baptized, why wouldn't you just do it in obedience to Christ? And I'm going to show you why water baptism is so important. In Matthew 16, verse 16, and I'm closing up shortly here. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved, but anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. This is what Jesus was saying. Colossians chapter 2, verse 12 to 14. If you were buried with Christ when you were baptized, for you were, sorry, and with him you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. You were dead because of your sin and because of your sinful nature. It was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive in Christ, for he forgave all your sins. He canceled the record of charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. I believe that water baptism, all right, uh, symbolizes what's taken place on the inside. Jesus has forgiven you for your sins. He's wiped your slate clean. He throws your sin as far as the east is from the west. But there's something that happens when you're water baptized. You go under the water, and when you come up, your old nature is broken off, if you do it in faith. And I've seen this time and time again, where people, like maybe they're, they're saved, they've accepted Jesus, they're assured of their salvation, but they're struggling with pornography, or they're struggling with an addiction, or they're struggling with anger. And it's like, and I say, listen, when you go under those waters... It's a spiritual thing that happens. I want you to believe that when you come up, that dead man that holds on to you, it's going to be broken, and you're going to come up, and you're going to be free. And do you know how many people come up and they're like, I, I never smoked after that. I never struggled the way I used to struggle. Because it's powerful. It's not just a pretty thing that we do to show people, hey, look, I belong to Jesus. It's a spiritual exercise that breaks the enemy's power in our life. And with our last verse, I'm going to finish with this. First Corinthians 10, verse 1 and 2. Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that our fathers were under the cloud. They all passed through the sea. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. Okay? And I believe what happened was Israel came out of bondage. They were the Egypt was, was, was enslaving them and making them, you know were drilling them down and making them work without food and just they were were oppressing Israel. And wherever Israel was going, Egypt was going to follow. But what God did was he opened the sea and the Israelites went through the Red Sea. And then as the army of Egypt came behind, God closed the waters so that that oppressive people could never oppress them again. I believe when you get water baptized with this understanding... In faith, you can say, God, I believe when I go down, when I come up, I'm not going to struggle with anger anymore. That that bitterness that lingers in my life is going to be broken. That addiction that I deal with, God, that you're going to break it off, and I'm going to come up in a newness of life. Remember, your sins are already forgiven. You already belong to Jesus. But the washing of baptism is powerful. Amen? And so in closing, I want to say this. We're going to have Peter come up and do communion with us. But I want to say this, in a couple weeks, on a Saturday, we're going up to, Peter's going to be up at his cottage, Pastor Peter will be up at the cottage with his wife and kids. So we're going to just go up there, I think we've got seven people getting water baptized. We're going to have hot dogs, and we're going to water baptize, and we're also going to lay hands and pray for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. If you want to be filled with power, we'll do that too. So if you want to be water baptized, let us know. We'll add you to the list. We'll get you the details, and we're believing God is going to do a powerful thing. Amen. Why don't we stand? Father, we thank you for your word. And Father, I just threw a ton of scripture out there, but Lord, I thank you that your word, as we read it, we see the truth in it. And Father, I pray if there's anyone here that does not know you, God, that they would surrender their life to you. Actually, I just really sense I want to do this with everyone's... Head bowed and eyes closed. If there's someone in this place, you just want to make a commitment to Christ and say, I want to be baptized into Jesus. I want to have the Holy Spirit move into my life. I want to be changed. I want to be a believer. If that's you, just just lift up your hand. I'm going to pray a general prayer over you. Anybody in this place? Okay. We're good. If you're online and you want to pray this prayer with me, I want you to pray this with me. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die for my sins. I ask that you would cleanse me and send your Holy Spirit to live in me. I want you to be the Lord of my life in Jesus' name. And if you've said that prayer for the first time, the Bible says if you say it in faith, believing that you will be saved. God is faithful, He wants to be the Father that you've never had. He's a, a good, good Father. And so, and also if you're watching online, contact us in the text, in the chat box below. Tell us you want to get baptized. We're going to, we'll, we'll, we'll dip you. We'll get you baptized. Amen. We want to see you free, and, and, and we just want you to be part of the family. So God bless you guys. Thank you for listening. We hope that you enjoyed our message. If you are in the Quinte West area, we would love to have you visit us on Sunday morning at 24 Dundas Street West, Trenton, Ontario check out our service times on our website at at atthecrossroads.ca.